It's NFL Draft Weekend on the Fox and Fallon podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Courtney Fallon, Tanya Ray Fox, overcoming some technical difficulties last night after the first round of the draft. It wasn't our best moment. We we had a lot of we had a lot of mental breakdowns over the course of a couple hours, and it really all amounted to just being wine drunk somehow by the yeah. end of the night because we were stressed. However, we we bounced back really quickly, and, and today we're delivering the episode that we thought we were going to be able to get together last night. I think you know we did it in like. 12, 13 hour turnaround. I know. That's the, it's, that's how it works out. Michael Fabiano of the NFL Network, as everyone knows, is the go to guy for fantasy football. And we were able to get Fabs on the podcast twice, actually. Twice. Yeah. <laughs> One time last night. I will tell you, I, you know, as we're sitting here, we realized this amazing interview that we did with Fabs last night, instant reaction for the first round. Did not record. I feel like there's got to be like a questionnaire out there of how many people having podcasts have had that happen to them. I I feel like that's just the trials and tribulations of having your little own home radio radio studio. It definitely is like we paid our dues to the podcast gods somehow because I know I've heard people talk about this in the past. Like there are people who've done live shows that haven't recorded or the audio has been so bad they haven't been able to use it. And I think like, okay. Well, you know, if the worst thing that happened was like the nicest dude in the world, like called us back and did it again, like we got really lucky. So shout out to Fabs for being like a super badass and doing basically an hour of interviewing for us. And, uh, and without further ado, here's our interview with the guru NFL Network's Michael Fabiano. First round of the 2019 NFL draft is in the books. Everyone's got their guy, but who's going to be the guy during the fantasy football season? As I welcome in our good friend, Michael Fabiano of the NFL Network. Happy to have you on the Fox and Fallon podcast. Thanks for joining us, Mike. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. First and foremost, Kyler Murray taken first overall to the Arizona Cardinals. A lot of people were not surprised by this pick, as were they by Nick Bosa taking second overall. But, I mean, this has huge fantasy football implications, whether he's going to start over Josh Rosen. Fabs, give us your take definitely going to start he's going to start over josh rosen josh rosen might not be a cardinal by the end of the day we'll see there's rumors that the miami dolphins are in discussions to potentially acquire him but you don't draft this quarterback number one overall after you drafted a quarterback in the first round last season not to start tyler murray uh, a lot of russell wilson comparisons what i love about him is what he can do with his feet rush for over a thousand yards and 12 touchdowns last season and if you look back in the last decade to 15 years of the rookie quarterbacks who have made a a big fantasy impact, most of them have been able to find success with their legs. RG3, Vince Young, Cam Newton, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson. It's a long list. So I'm starting to put players into my rankings, and I'm going to change it a million times between now and the end of the, the week and probably a million more times before we get to August. But I have Murray right now in the mid teens at the quarterback position, and that's pretty good. And um, I think he has the upside to potentially be a top 12 fantasy quarterback in 2019. Well, talking about the other quarterback there, Josh Rosen still is an Arizona Cardinal, even though he did unfollow them on Instagram. (laughs) Petty Wars continuing. Um, A lot of people talking about getting a third round pick for this guy. There were rumors before, maybe at least last night, that he would go to the Giants. Um, But now you're saying at the Dolphins. I mean, even if he does go to the Dolphins... It's he's not going to start over Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, what's the fantasy value of Josh Rosen, and kind of what happens now? If he gets 
traded to the Dolphins, he damn well better start over Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> I mean, like this guy has already got a year of experience under his belt, and it wasn't a good season, and it wasn't all his fault. I mean, the Cardinals' receiving weapons were well underwhelming, including Larry Fitzgerald. The offensive line was garbage. They they allowed fifty two sacks. So if he goes to Miami, he's a QB two. Kyler Murray still has more value than he does, but at least he will be in the discussion when you're talking about super flex leagues or two QB leagues. Rosen going to the Dolphins to me is a fit. And if the Dolphins don't pull the trigger on a deal, assuming that the asking price isn't insane, which at this point I'm guessing it's a second or third round pick, then the Dolphins are basically telling their fan base, we are tanking the 2019 season to get to them. I mean, like, <laughs> right. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt about that. So, um, I'd like to see Josh go and, and, and get an opportunity to be a starter. I don't think what happened last season was very fair to him, but we've also seen his market shrink because the Giants got a quarterback and the Redskins got a quarterback. Now, moving on, this was a, a weirdly good draft for tight ends. Um, that was a big story heading into this year. And the t- the mm-hmm. tight end duo coming out of Iowa, TJ Hawkinson went to the Lions, Noah Fant went to the Broncos. Um, it really kind of reminds us of the Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, you know, uh, duo coming out of Georgia last year. You know, what do you see about what do you see these guys doing this year, fantasy wise? I mean, obviously, tight ends a little bit of a different position from running back, but you know, the two highly touted uh, targets, and as we know, the tight end positions having a bit of a resurgence um, after last year with George Kittle and and a couple of these guys who made a big name for themselves. What do you see? What do you see them doing? How about Iowa? It's like tight end you. you got right? Yeah. Now you've got Sand and Hawkinson, and don't forget Dallas Clark went to Iowa as well. I, I always get sort of uh, a lot of people excited about some of these rookie tight ends, and I typically tell them to curb your enthusiasm, which is also, by the way, one of my favorite television shows. Yes, mine too. Rookie tight ends typically don't make a major impact. Like what Evan Ingram did a couple of seasons ago is not typical. Even some of the great tight ends that have played this game that are now in the Hall of Fame did not start off statistically having success uh, in their rookie campaigns. So neither Hawkinson nor Fant is more than a tight end two in redrafts. Now in dynasty leagues, both of them could end up being maybe not elite tight ends in fantasy, but pretty damn good. So I wouldn't expect them to get drafted until probably the late rounds of redrafts. And in dynasty leagues, they're going to be in the mix in the first round. No question about that. Hawkinson really could end up going down as the best tight end the Lions have ever had, ever. It's not saying much because they haven't had a lot of great tight ends uh, from a statistical perspective, but he is a very good pass catcher. He's also a very good blocker. Yeah, he was the best all-around tight end in this draft, and and that's why you saw him go as highly as he did. So uh, not a guy who I would expect to finish in the top 10, maybe not even in the top 15, but he'll show some flashes of potential. When you look at rookie tight ends, if you get 40 catches to 45 catches, four to 500 yards, four to five touchdowns out of them. That's a good season for a rookie tight end. It's not a great fantasy season though. So I would temper my expectations with both of those players and really any tight end that gets drafted uh, in any season, no matter who it is, because the trend has never been tight ends coming into the league, immediately making a big time impact. Typically there's a little bit of a waiting period, a little bit of a learning curve as we've seen with so many tight ends. I mean, OJ Howard in the second season, had he not gotten hurt, Look what he was doing. So I I like these guys long-term more than I liked them in 2019. And, you know, a position that can make an impact coming out of college, not often, but sometimes, is wide receiver. And 
Um, the Patriots at number 32 last night took Nikhil Harry out of Arizona State. Great um, pick. I love it. Really big, got, you know, a big body, really short-handed, and looks to be, you know, potentially the red zone uh, target replacement that they were looking for after losing Gronk. Uh, do, you, do you like this pick? I mean, wide receiver's a little tough for Belichick, but, I mean, how do you feel about it, and what do you think that he can do with Tom Brady? No, I dig it. I really like it because no Rob Gronkowski, uh, no Chris Hogan. You've got opportunities there that, that are available uh, in terms of targets, in terms of the pass attack, in terms of red zone opportunities as well. And you're going to be catching passes from arguably the best quarterback that ever laced them up. And I like the fit. I really do, uh, both from a redraft and a dynasty league perspective. This was a really nice fit. I'm always going to remember Nikhil Haley for that ridiculous catch he made against USC. Um, basically, it was very OBJ-esque. Let's just put it that way. He, to me, if I'm ranking fantasy wide receivers in New England, is number two right now behind Julian Elman. So I do like that fit. It's going to be really interesting, right? I mean, Courtney, you're you're you know you're a Patriots gal, and you know the team. That team is going to look really different on offense with Tom Brady throwing to not Rob Gronkowski, but Austin Safarian Jenkins, uh, not to Chris Hogan, but to Nikhil Harry, and they're going to be running the ball a heck of a lot. But I do like this fit. You 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 basically answered my follow up already, Fabs. But uh, the balance of power in New England is, as you said, offensively constantly shifts. They do a lot of screens. They have you know their their offense is integrated pretty deeply with their running backs. Who is the most mm-hmm. important offensive weapon fantasy wise? You know, is it the running backs or is it someone like Nikhil Harry or Julian Edelman? No, it's it's Sony Michelle, uh, Julian Edelman, and James White in that order. Uh, let's keep in mind Tom Brady. I mean, the dude—he's great on Twitter. He's been a an elite fantasy quarterback for a long time. But last year, you started to see uh, the age a little bit in his numbers: twenty-nine touchdowns, eleven interceptions. He wasn't the top ten fantasy quarterback. So I really think this is going to be more of a, of a team that runs the football. We saw that in the second half of last season when Sony Michelle was out there on the field. Uh, James White's going to be an integral part, both in the running game and as a pass catcher. So the Patriots are going to look a little, a little bit different, uh, maybe a lot different if Josh Gordon isn't able to come back, depending on what happens with him. So Tom Brady is no longer a QB1. It's really weird to say that, but he's not. Wow. Uh, the, the, first, the first three or four Patriots that are come, going to come off the board uh, it's going to be the two running backs and Julian Edelman, no, no doubt about it. It's kind of a sore eye on the league to have to talk about this on the first round of the NFL draft, but we have to discuss mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill. Um, the DA saying that they don't have, they're basically stonewalling him, that they don't have enough evidence, or they do, and you know the audio is coming out and it does not sound good. What is the impact of you know Tyreek Hill? And the situation in the league, I know that the commissioner has come down pretty strongly on domestic violence over the last few years after that Ray Rice mm-hmm. snafu of only giving him two games. But uh, what are your thoughts on just this whole situation unfolding right now? Well, the investigation has been reopened and, and it's all based on that audio. And you can't tell me that that was a coincidence that an hour before the NFL draft, when every NFL person is either on TV, watching TV or on social media, uh, that that came out. So... It's, it doesn't look good for Tyreek Hill. I, I'm sort of disgusted by what seems to have happened with his three-year-old son and with his fiance. And, and I don't know that his fiance is innocent in this whole mess uh, as well. And 
with what the NFL did in terms of Kareem Hunt, giving him eight games, which some people would maybe believe was not enough, and the Kansas City Chiefs basically cut ties with him very quickly, they're going to do their due diligence. They're going to uh, investigate and see exactly what evidence is out there. I, I know that the Chiefs would hate to lose him as a player. He is not replaceable, uh, not in this draft, not in free agency, which is basically done. He's not replaceable. The problem is you, you simply can't do that. As a man, I would never hit a woman. I would never hit my child. Um, it puts a black eye on the league. And if these, if these allegations and this audio is correct, and Hakeem, Tyreek Hill did these things, Tyreek Hill should not be playing football in 2019. We see a lot of we see a lot of um, of this the repeating of this type of behavior from players like this too, where they do something when they're younger. We there's sort of the second chance thing, and and the repeat offender thing has become a little bit of a a little bit of a pattern that we um, have been seeing with these guys, particularly the guys that they're you know coming out of the Chiefs. And at the end of the day, this is a this is a human interest story. It's about families and it's about the way we treat each other. And it goes way beyond football. Um, but the fact of the matter is, this is a football podcast. We're in the middle of the NFL draft, and and it and do you see? I mean, if they if they do lose Tyreek Hill, and, and by all accounts, to some degree, they're going to lose him, um, whether they cut him or whether he's suspended. Is that the difference of of maybe a couple of wins in the Chiefs' season this year? Yeah, no, no. It, it, he was statistically he was ridiculous. Uh, he was one of the best wide receivers in fantasy football, and and, and you mentioned it too. It, it, I hate talking about fantasy football when it comes to situations like this. It's the same thing that happened with Adrian Peterson or Kareem. I hate it. I don't like it, but it's what I do. I have to do this. This is the guy uh, in Tyreek Hill who defenses have a very hard time defending because he is so talented. He is so fast. He stretches defenses. This is a guy who scored, what, 13 total touchdowns last year, had almost 1,500 yards receiving in an offense that uh, was led by Patrick Mahomes, who's coming off the greatest fantasy season of any quarterback ever. It, it's going to hurt. And if if Hill is suspended, Patrick Mahomes is no longer the number one quarterback in fantasy football. He's not. It's going to be Aaron Rodgers. And not that Mahomes isn't great and not that Mahomes can't put up good numbers again or great numbers again, but we already were a little bit concerned in the fantasy community about regression because how do you how do you improve on the greatest fantasy season ever? I don't know that you can. And then you lose Tyreek Hill. What you need to watch for is what the Chiefs do with their picks uh, tonight and into tomorrow. They are almost certainly going to draft a wide receiver, and there are some good ones out there. And if they do go out and draft one wide receiver, maybe two wide receivers, we'll see. They have other needs as well, but that could be an indication that the Chiefs are preparing for life without Tyreek Hill. And if Tyreek Hill did what what he's being accused of and what we're hearing in that audio, basically he's admitting it. It's a perfect segue, perfect segue into what's going on tonight. You kind of alluded to that, that the Chiefs might take a wide receiver. Uh, Drew Locke still on the board. That was a big surprise to a lot of people. What players tonight in the second round have the best fantasy value that are still on the board? Well, you, you never know who's going to go, but you certainly would think DK Metcalf is going to come off the board. A lot of people projected him as the first wide receiver to go. He didn't go at all. Uh, A.J. Brown is another player that, that didn't come off the board. I think you're going to see 
I'll run on wide receivers and running backs uh, tonight and, and into tomorrow as well. I'm really interested to see where David Montgomery ends up, uh, the running back out of Iowa State, who I think could end up being a, a pretty good dynasty player depending on where he lands. Maybe uh, a team like the Buffalo Bills who have an elderly backfield, let's just put it that way. Hakeem Butler is an interesting player. A lot of people have been high on him, especially in the fantasy football community. Uh, Miles Sanders from Penn State, who took over for Saquon Barkley. Uh, that is another player that people are going to be keeping tabs on. So really, talent is important, obviously, but where a player lands could ultimately really determine what his fantasy value is going to be for the upcoming 2019 season. Uh, Debo Samuels, another one. There, there's so many talented running backs and wide receivers. Now, in terms of the level of talent, it's not as, as good as it's been in, in recent seasons when we've seen so many players at those two positions instantly become elite fantasy players. But there are a lot of running backs and wideouts out there who have long-term potential. Uh, and depending on where they land, like David Montgomery, uh, Buffalo, I mentioned, that would be a really good dynasty fit for him, for example. Uh, the, Bryce Love is another one. I don't know that he's going to come off the board in the second or third round coming off of uh, coming off of the ACL, but he's got some upside as well. There's a long list of players at those two positions that are potentially going to be very interesting to fantasy owners, especially in dynasty leagues. Herb Smith is still out there as well. I mean, who knows? The Patriots still could be looking for a tight end, even though they signed Austin Safarian Jenkins. We shall see. It should be fun, and the next two rounds should be much more fantasy relevant than round one. Michael Fabiano, as a couple of uh, Red Sox fans, we cannot let you go um, go. without, (laughs) you know, I know it's a busy day for you. You got a lot going on. You're a busy man. However, um, you know, we're just curious as, as just two Boston girls, whether or not you know what's in the water in the Bronx right now, because your team cannot stay healthy. And I have to say, it's not the way the Red Sox want to, you know, they don't want to take this, uh, they don't want to take the AL East against a, a, a battered New York Yankees team. Are yeah, you guys going to get healthy anytime it's, soon? It's better when you when we just beat you because, you know, yeah. we're better than you. Yeah. I got news. You guys ain't beat anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Terrible. Oh. Your pitching staff is just awful. Watch your mouth. Even, even Chris Dale, who, like, I kind of like Chris Dale because years ago when he was with the White Sox, he helped me win a fantasy baseball championship. Uh, but your, your rotation is bad. Um, I, I mean, I know that there's a Super Bowl hangover. I don't know if there's a World Series hangover. I'm not sure. If there is one, I really hope the Red Sox have it. Because I can't stand the Red Sox. I love you guys, but I can't stand the Red Sox. But it is ridiculous. I mean, what have we had? 14 or 15 players go on the aisle. Like, our injured list is better than the Red Sox lineup. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm dead serious about that. The whole team is on there. I went to two games. They just played the Angels. We took three or four from the Angels. Uh, if you're an Angels fan, you can't be happy about that because the Yankees are basically a triple-A team right now. The rotation has been giving us some good starts, although uh, we didn't get a good one last night from our ace. But the bottom line here is that the Yankees are looking to basically tread water, which is what they're doing right now. They need to beat teams that are not good, like the Angels. They've got the Giants coming up. And it's beneficial to the Yankees that the Red Sox stink right now. And it's beneficial to the Red Sox, who stink, that the Yankees are all banged up and they're not taking a big lead in the division. So at the end of the day, it's likely going to be Yankees-Red Sox battling it out, assuming the Yankees get healthy. But, I mean, like, 
you know, we lose Stanton, Severino is banged up, Dellen's banged up. And then just like some of the guys you almost expect to get hurt, like Greg Bird, that dude's made of glass. <laughs> Troy Chilowiski's made of glass as well. We know these guys are injured. And he's old. But like, you know, then Aaron Judge goes down. And then you bring up uh, Frazier and he's breaking. And then he twists his damn ankle going back to second base. And now he's on the injured list. So as a Yankee fan, he kind of just laughs. you like, I, I mean, you laugh, but it's like, what the hell's going on, man? Like, what did we do to deserve this? So the good thing is that they're still winning games. We lost last night, but we took three or four uh, going up to San Francisco now. But, um, heck, to me, like, this was the Yankee season. And, and, and it very well still might be. But we have got a lot of injuries to overcome. I don't know when Severino's come back. I don't know when Dellen's coming back. Stanton had some sort of setback. Uh, who knows when Judge is going to come back uh, from from his oblique? That could be a, a lengthy absence as well. So it is it is good to see the Yankees being so resilient, uh, and the team has been winning. I mean, I, I believe we had won six, five or six in a row before last night's loss. I don't know that that's going to continue with the roster that we have on the field right now, but we're still ahead of Boston. And that's always a good thing. <laughs> well, always you know, I mean, to be ahead of the Red Sox. Courtney and I have a we have a rule where you know after the All Star break is when we can really start freaking out about where the teams are at and you know the standings. That's when things really start to matter. So it sounds like we're gonna have to bring you back on in July. You, you might yeah. have to be our first yeah. reoccur recurring guest yeah. um, on the show, which is a good thing. You know, that will be that will be right before Absolutely. training camp starts, and I can't wait to open the podcast and say. The uh, the bottom feeders of the AL East, represented by the Yankees and Michael Fabiano. Yeah, that's no, not gonna happen. <laughs> that's not gonna happen. Come on, you still got the Orioles and the Blue Jays in that division. Uh, that's not gonna happen. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's I true. Mean, that no one will ever suck worse than the Orioles. <laughs> but I honestly, yeah, I, I honestly cannot remember. And you know, I've been a sports fan for a long time. I mean, we're we're talking about. I don't. Uh, I'm not even gonna say because then I'm. Gonna How old you? Yeah, don't age yourself. Out, but. It is it is the most big name players that I have seen one team get hurt at the same time, like ever, like everyone, like it was when when Aaron Judge got hurt, it was almost like a joke. It's like what, like now Judge and then Frazier, I'm like what the hell is going on? I know it makes me so happy. (laughs) No, no, I I know, I know. We talked about this before. We're not going to put other players down with their injured list, but uh, Michael Fabiano. NFL Network fantasy guru, thank you so much for your time, and uh, just keep your keep your mouth shut when we we go at it about the Yankees. And so, uh, you know, hopefully, I won't block your number by the middle of the summer. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, yeah, the first series of the season, even though it was two games, we did sweep you. So um, you got a little catching up to do. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. You know what? I get a mulligan on my birthday. They won eight nothing, and I, you know, it was it. <laughs> yeah, I was like your birthday. Your birthday that Tom Brady acknowledged on Twitter. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> sorry, you're talking about you're talking about big shot now, Fabs. I know, but you know, I I know. I, I, I take my gloating in stride. No, that was very cool, mm-hmm. but it it's you know it's good that he's active on Twitter because you know that. It allows him to reach out a little more than the fans and interact than the Instagrams. He's actually very entertaining on social media. Yes, yeah, it's, it's actually crazy. I don't know. It's it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know where this personality comes from, but it's certainly, it's not at the podium ever, but, you know, we'll take what we can get from our from our boy. Um, you know, good luck, with, good luck with the rest of your coverage this weekend. You guys have been killing it, and we look forward to uh, 
paying attention to all your content. You're, you're, you're the man to go to. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for joining us. We cannot wait to talk to you again soon. Thanks, Fabs. I appreciate it. And uh, go Yankees. <laughs> oh, Red Sox right. forever. Bye. Yes, bye. You can always count on Fabs for a fantastic interview. He's so detailed, long-winded, but I, I don't think that there's anything in there that's I – mean, every nugget of his information – is useful and uh, I hope the fantasy kids out there really enjoyed it. That's the crazy part is he every single time he was saying making a new point or he you know we'd talk about what the implications might be fantasy wise you know I'd look at you and be like oh good point or whatever you know we're silently communicating about how great the information is and you and I certainly aren't draft experts and we're not fantasy experts but we know football and so it's it's nice to get those perspectives that we can't always bring for ourselves um, from someone like Fabs who delivers it in layman's terms, like really just gives it to you in a way that's super easy to digest. And um, it certainly made me even more excited than I already was for the Nikhil Harry draft. Night. I mean, you know, I'm excited to I, talk about that more next week when we get into, you know, full depth about the entire draft. But, oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah. I Tanya, Tanya, um, if everyone needs to go to the Fox and Fallon um, Instagram page, you'll see the video of Tanya. <laughs> I didn't, I just, I just started rolling the cameras and there was, it was a very like not suited for work post Yeah, for sure. of you just cussing left and right. You're like, fuck yeah. Yes. I reverted. I really reverted back to like an OG moment in my life where I just, I haven't been able to be like a pure fan like that in a while, but you know, it, it, I, it overcame me. No. I think the stress of the night overcame me and it was really nice to just be excited and surprised. I, I feel like um, uh, you know, certainly I have nothing to complain about as a Patriots fan, but sometimes the draft becomes a real slog. There's nothing exciting or new or interesting. Yeah, you're like, and, oh, like, yeah. you know, grandma offensive lineman from Nebraska. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Like, oh, who's this guy from Idaho that they got? You and know? He, you know, even last year with Sony Michelle, it was kind of like really a running pick. Oh, I like, know. Like I loved a... I loved the Sony Michelle pick last it, year. Well, it turned out to be a great pick, and, and I wasn't mad about it, but it just wasn't ex- it wasn't as exciting in the same way because running back is like sort of one of the it's just one of those positions that they've always used as a you know, as a group and they, and they do a rotation. And so you kind of knew exactly what that was going to be. It's going to be this young kid who goes into a rotation, which is great, but man, a like big old wide receiver that could totally bust or be incredible. There's something really exciting about yeah. that. So we'll, you know, I'm going to look forward to, to breaking that down and more um, next week when we recap the entire draft, all seven rounds or probably the, the first three. And then no one cares about that things after that, but you know, there'll be some big draft picks that go tonight and, and, uh, and we'll have that all for you next week. You know, I'm really excited. It's actually, I mean, it's actually my least, my least favorite day, but the best day is is the on Saturday when it's seven hours of draft coverage, and that's the time when you know Rich Eisen on the on the NFL Network set starts to get tired, and they, <laughs> yeah. you know, like there's like some guy named Butt, like yeah. Jake Butt gets drafted, and then and then like the next one is like. I don't know, Andy Hole, yeah. you know, like, so they're like butthole. I don't know. Like yeah. they, they start, they start laughing. You get the, um, you get what, the I, giggles. what yeah. I didn't like about, um, the first round of the draft was that they were welcoming people on stage to introduce the picks already. Like that's a, that's a second and third day kind yeah. of thing. It's a little weird, it was yeah. weird. I mean, like, listen, the NFL network did a tremendous job with the set but the music, the live music, it was like, I didn't know idea what the hell was going on. It was a lot. I felt a little overwhelmed. It was like, as soon as they announced the pick, I, I kind of tuned out. So I missed a lot of the reaction shots and stuff because like you said, there's like music going on and there was a lot of lights and the crowd was really loud. Yeah, it was so, just kind of like you a know, we'll, we'll have a lot of like, you know, it'll be nice to really take it all in and read some stuff and just soak in the vibes once the dust has settled. Then we can really do our analysis mm-hmm. about which team 
improved on draft day. Absolutely. And which ones definitely didn't, which, you know, yeah. it's starting to look like the Giants might have gotten worse somehow with oh three picks in the God. first round, which is interesting. But Kim Jones, who does a tremendous job, has covered the Giants for, I don't know, two decades. Because she's so correct and honest about everything. Yeah. And she's so precise. And even her the way that she was wording it, even she was bashing the Giants organization <laughs> by being idiots. I mean, like, basically she said the Gettleman lied to her and said that, you know, Elon Manning is going to be the quarterback for the next three years. But then he went behind their back and fell in love with Daniel Jones, who yeah. is just, it's just the most, it's like the most head scratching pick. He's not even one of the best quarterbacks, not even close. No, but, and here's the, here's the other thing too. It's that the reason that they drafted him is because he tra- he trains with Peyton Manning and Archie Manning. Yeah. So, like, was this Eli's pick or was this Gettleman's pick? Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it'll be interesting to see what the insiders say as this all unfolds. And and hopefully we'll have some clearer visions on what exactly happened um, next week. And, and, and that's certain. I think I think next week's pod will be a really good one for us. So, you guys, come back with us next week. The rest of it, we hope you enjoyed our, our fantastic interview with the wonderful Michael Fabiano. And, you know, we'll see, we'll see you next week. Ciao. Hey, Tanya, what if I did the Fox and Found monotone voice just like Bill Belichick? We're happy to have you. Good podcast coming. Hot takes. <laughs> good guests. Good information. Solid on all three fronts. Hey, I'm, I'm calling to deliver you life-changing news that's going to change the future of your family and potentially the rest of your family line for the next nine generations. Really excited to have you. Nikhil Harry, welcome to the Patriots. This is how it's going to be for the rest of your life. But at least you'll have a Super Bowl ring. <laughs> <laughs> you kill me.